0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, That is a scene from uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, if you haven't seen it. And I love Walter Mitty's motto in this movie. You heard him say it. He lives by the ABCs of life. Adventurous, brave, and creative. And if you think about it in these terms, adventurous may mean something that you would do brand new, that you've never done before. And brave would be something that you kind of know you need to do, but you might be a little hesitant or afraid, reluctant to do. And then finally, creative is something that you're already doing, but you just find a fresh and a new way of doing it. We're going to talk about those things a little bit later. We'll come back to them. But there's a guy by the name of Max Dupree. He used to be the CEO of a very successful Fortune 500 company called Herman Miller. He's written some great books about leadership and For 40 years, he anchored the Board of Trustees at Fuller Seminary. In one of his books, he describes a question that was asked of him by one of his students one time. The question was Mr. Dupree, what's the most difficult thing that you personally have to work on? And this was his response It is the constant drift toward complacency. It's a very true statement. Everything, when left on its own to drift, everything has kind of a tendency to deteriorate. That's just kind of how it works in human existence. When people become apathetic or complacent or settle for the path of least resistance, it really never leads to a good place. And a terrible thing happens and it's called that you learn how to live with mediocrity. In other words, it's not a great life, but it's a tolerable life. Some of you in this room have lived maybe in the same dead-end situations, circumstances for years. And the worst part about it is sometimes people other than complaining about it or blaming their parents or God or usually the government for it, they really aren't lifting much of a finger to change their life. And underlying a lot of this kind of inactivity is this kind of tragic, misguided, but strongly believed in philosophy which goes like this. If I stay in my present condition, things are just going to get better. Somehow, some way, by precisely doing nothing, I'm going to drift into a great life. <laughs> Here's the motto of a lot of people in this situation. They describe their life with the word, someday. Someday my ship will come in. Someday Someone's going to offer me this great opportunity. Someday someone will float into my life that I can date or maybe even marry. Someday the credit card companies are going to call and forgive my debt. And the next day I'm going to hit the Powerball. Someday, someday my marriage is just going to improve and my kids will stop getting in trouble. Someday my metabolism is going to kick in and I'm going to burn fat like you would not believe. Someday my drinking will decrease and I'll regain sobriety. Someday I'll leave lukewarm Christianity and follow closely to God. You name it, and someone's got a someday slogan for it. But the truth is, it rarely happens. Fortunately for us, fortunately, the Bible really has a lot to say about this topic. It's kind of really unbelievable how much it does say about it. And in this series that we're in in Lent, uh, the season of Lent, we're talking about I quit, things we're going to give up. And one of them today, we're going to talk about the whole thing of "I quit complacency." How do you get out of being a someday kind of person? Here's how Proverbs put it. the proverb writer writes this: "The sluggard craves everything and gets nothing, but the diligent have something to show for their life." They use a term here, kind of a nickname. For a person that's having problems with the complacency, and they call them the sluggard. It's almost like a great little uh, metaphor. You think of this little snail, possibly that's not making much product, uh, pr- uh, progress, and you just kind of feel like saying, "Man, just give it up." The writer of Proverbs says there's a lot of people who are in danger of becoming sluggards, and one of thing the writer says is that the wise person, the wise person is always on the lookout for early signs of complacency. The 27th chapter of Proverbs talks about livestock and it says it this way. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds for riches do not endure forever and a crown is not secure for all generations. Now they're talking about it in terms they understand it. They come from an agricultural livestock kind of place. Every day it says be on the lookout. Things could be great today but if ignored... Things may not be so great a few days from now. Here's the thing. Take any area of your life and you put it on autopilot and it's at risk. Again, Max Dupree writes about this. He says, this is so destructive in my own life. He says that I've decided uh, to make a list of signs when I know complacency and deterioration are advancing. He says, They're signs to me. I thought these were just great. I want to tell them to you quickly. He says these. Number one is I have a tendency towards superficiality. Everything is surface. There's nothing deep. Number two, unresolved tension in key relationships. In other words, he won't deal with problem people or situations that are problems in his life. Three, no longer having time for celebration and ritual. That's a huge one. You just kind of skim through life. Four, confusing heroes versus celebrities. I thought that was a great one. Mixing up in life who really are the heroes in life and who are just celebrities. Number five, a loss of gratitude. We talked a lot about that last week. And number six, a vague, chronic sense of guilt. He says, these are indicators to me that I'm on the path of the slugger. Again, a key passage in Proverbs. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds. The stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. How many of you have ever visited, I wonder, a vineyard? If you've had the fortunate uh, opportunity to do that. I'm not going to ask you how many enjoy the fruit of the vineyard, okay? But I'm just sure some of you are aware of that and it's a very interesting thing about a vineyard they don't just happen by themselves they don't spring up by accident someone is behind them and this is what the writer is getting at here he was walking past this field and it was an absolute mess weeds everywhere thorns coming up from the ground the wall was covered To understand the angst of this, you have to know this. In the ancient Middle East, a piece of land that was capable of growing crops was maybe the most valuable thing in the world. To be the owner of a vineyard was to be a very, very lucky guy or gal. It was the opportunity of a lifetime. And understanding complacency starts here with the failure to comprehend, and this is important, that this is the only life, the one and only existence I have on this planet. And here's the good news. Everybody gets a vineyard. When you were born, you received a vineyard. Your body, your mind, your will, relationships, financial resources, a chance to do some good things in life, a soul that will last forever. Everybody gets a good vineyard. And this is it. This is my one and only shot. Listen, and you don't even have to do it on your own. God will help you. He will walk with you. But He's never going to force you To care for your vineyard on your own. God never will force you into action. So the writer says, I was walking past this vineyard. And I kept thinking, what might this have been? It could have been a great source of pride. A great source of income to the owner. Listen, it could have even been a great source of blessing to the people around it. Because in that place, when you could grow food, or if you could somehow uh, provide drink for someone, that was a fabulous blessing to people everywhere. But it didn't happen. And the writer says, I wonder why. Like, was there a catastrophe? Was there a drought? Was there a flood? Was there a fire? And he says, no, it was just the sheer negligence on the part of the guy who owned the vineyard. He just never realized what he had in his own two hands. This is what's so strange about complacency. Complacency isn't even really a thing. <laughs> it's just nothing. <laughs> It's just neglect. I think of a guy I know, in honor of Proverbs, we'll call him Sluggo. That's not his name. Listen, he's a great guy, but he is chronically discontent with his work. He always feels like his work could be more challenging and more rewarding and he could be stretched more. And we'll talk about this probably a couple of times a year. But there's always a reason that he can't move out of it. It's always a supervisor who won't develop him. It's always an organization that's too political. It's always, I'm not going to play those political games. We'll talk about getting a job somewhere else, but that's too risky. And he has these wonderful, wonderful ideas and dreams of what he could be doing, but he will not take a step and see he lives in that vineyard. He happens to be a single guy. He'd like to be in a romantic relationship. And what he does is he develops crushes on women. But they're always in the supermodel category. And I'm just going to be honest. He's not in the supermodel category. So there's no realistic deal about him in relationships. And I'll say, why don't you go and talk to a good counselor? A good counselor could help you. But there's always reasons. It's too much money. It takes too much time. They don't understand me and that's his vineyard and he doesn't like it very much sometimes I just want to take Sluggo by the shoulders (laughs) and I want to say Sluggo this is your one and only life and it is draining away year by year because I know him very very very, very well sometimes I want to take him by the neck (laughs) and this is by the way why I'm not an effective counselor so don't be coming to me for counseling (laughs) And when I take these pastoral care assessments, they're like, how does anyone score a negative in pastoral care? Okay, This is how. Okay, I'll tell you one proverb that could change your life. It may have produced a little pain, but you need to hear it. This is the proverb for Slogo. It says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies lack judgment. Okay, it's going to be a little difficult for the next five minutes what this verse is talking about friends is about living in reality <coughs> trusting God to work the land that I actually have, that I have that I have my life, my body, my relationships and anybody who lives in fantasy land lives in that day in the life kind of thing it's just lost And a friend who used to be in the Christian publishing business and he's retired now And he used to tell me, he said it was a crazy thing. People would often come to him because they knew he was head up, you know, kind of high up in the publishing business. And they would say, how can I become a writer? I love to write. So he would tell them. He says, here's how it usually happens. He says, you usually write an article and you submit it to a magazine. It gets rejected. (laughs) So you submit it someplace else and it probably gets rejected again. So you submit it someplace else and it keeps getting rejected. But as you write, as you continue to write, you submit it. And as it gets rejected, you get to know the editor of the magazine pretty well. (laughs) And you find out more about writing and more about the craft of writing and you keep working on that. And eventually you write an article and it gets accepted. And then you keep doing that for a while and then maybe, maybe you get to do a couple chapters in a book. And eventually maybe you get to co-write with someone or ghost write for someone. And you keep learning. Now he tells people this who are... Uh, would-be writers and he says consistently here's the response oh no 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 no! that's not what I want to do I want to write a book and have it sell millions of dollars and be rich and famous and be humble and give God all the glory (laughs) people have these fantasies I want the perfect marriage I want the perfect circle of friends I want the perfect education I want the perfect career and if I can't have that then I won't do anything here you know why? Because I'm way advanced beyond the vineyard that I'm in. Here's the starting place. Here is the starting place. You ready? Reality. <laughs> Work the land that God has given you. Work your relationships, your life, your career. That's your vineyard. And if you think the vineyard fairy is going to come along and sprinkle fairy dust on your vineyard... That's not the way it works. The way it works is you say, God, will you help me with my vineyard? God, will you tell me what's the next step I'm supposed to take in my vineyard? You notice these verses have kind of an edge to them, they're kind of hard to read sometimes. And it's not the writer wants to be cruel, that's not the point. It's that the writer wants you to see the danger of this. He says stuff like this How long will you lay there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and then one day disaster breaks in on you like a bandit. Just a little sleep, a little slumber. How much longer does the sluggard say it's going to go on? The sluggard always says just a little bit longer. I read this great story a long time ago in a magazine. It's a story about a guy who goes back to the home that he actually grew up in. He had not been in his home for 20 years. And he knocks on the door, and when someone answers, he says, I know this is kind of strange, He said, but this is a sentimental trip for me. I've come back home after 20 years of being away, and this is the home I used to live in, I grew up in. Is there any chance I could just look around and and just kind of go through memory lane? And the folks are kind of perplexed by it, but they said, sure, come on in. And he goes inside and eventually makes his way up to the attic where he used to play as a kid. And in the attic, he finds an old jacket of his that's actually up in the attic that's never been thrown away. And he reaches into his pocket and he pulls it out and there's a stub in it. It's a receipt from a shoe repair store. And he remembered that he had taken a pair of shoes to be uh, uh, repaired 20 years ago. And when the move happened and all that was taking place, it was kind of crazy. He just forgot about going to pick his shoes up. So on a whim, he goes to the shoe repair shop and behold, it is still there. It's open. So on a whim, he takes the receipt in and he hands it to the guy behind the desk and he says, I just want to pick up my shoes. Are they ready? And the guy says, hang on a second. He goes back to the workroom comes back and says, come back a week from Thursday. That's a funny joke, but some of you just don't have a sense of humor, okay? Here's the deal. Here's the way the sluggard works. It's always a week from Thursday. I never tell myself, never, I just tell myself a week from Thursday. I know I have to do it. It's like dieting. What's the only day you can start a diet on? Right, we know that. Monday. That's the only day. God made it that way. Monday, diet day. (laughs) I have to get my finances in shape, I have to get out of debt. I want to give to God and be generous, i got to do that next year. I need to get involved in the church rather than just come. I need to get involved in a life group, not just come. You see, the slugger doesn't say no, he just says not today. And what the writer is doing here is he's kind of giving us a wake-up call. See, the danger is not, listen, it's when I don't say never, but I just say a week from Thursday. Now here's what happens when we get into this kind of um, sluggard lifestyle. The sluggard becomes a specialist in making excuses and rationalizations. Sluggards get great at this. I'm going to tell you one of them. Here's an excuse why the sluggard doesn't go out to the vineyard. I think this is great. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. Now there's just something funny about this. Well, I was going to go to work, but the lion factor out there is really bad. <laughs> All these people being eaten by wild animals. I'm going to call in today. Just take the day off. Maybe they'll get the lion situation under control. <laughs> See, it doesn't take much of an excuse. You can just be pretty flimsy. But that's the way it works. The commitment is always to not doing it, whatever it is. Sometimes... Sometimes we come up with these rationalizations because we tell ourselves we're overwhelmed and we're fatigued and we're so tired. We just don't have enough energy. The writer says, as the door turns on its hinges, so a a slugger turns on his bed. I'm thinking about getting up, but it's just like like I feel like a door that's attached to its hinge. So the wife says, why don't you go outside and play with the kids? Why don't you go outside and mow the lawn? Kids went out to play two, years, you know, two two days ago, and the grass is so high, we can't find them. Go, go mow the lawn. <laughs> and the husband explains, I, I, maybe I got no energy. I gave at the office. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just whipped. I'm fatigued. And the phone rings. And someone asks him to go golfing. And what happens next is a miracle. <laughs> right? All of a sudden, the strength and vitality comes swooping into his life. Like he drank three Red Bulls back to back. See, it wasn't an energy problem. But that's what we tell ourselves. Here's another thing. Sluggards can't see their own sluggardism. I don't know if that's a word, but it sounds good. Sluggards are wiser in their own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. You know, in the Old Testament... Some of you know the seven was kind of a number for completeness or fullness. And the idea here is that there's great wisdom available, but in the sluggard's mind, the rationale for not taking action is always stronger than authentic wisdom. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're thinking, Phil, I admit I have some problems. God has to deal with me on them, but I want you to know today, buddy, laziness isn't one of them. In fact, if I have a problem, it's probably that I'm too busy. Running too fast, too much this, too much that. I'm out shooting lines and picking grapes and oiling hinges. Well, here's what I want you to think about. I think some of us suffer from what might just be called selective complacency. It's like we're hyperactive in certain areas, but there's one vineyard, there's one vineyard that we just don't talk about. It could be a dad whose career is just taken off and the cell phone is full of names, but he hardly knows his own kid's name. It could be a mom who drives to a lot of soccer games and keeps her house in order and is diligent, but her soul, her soul is just shriveling up on the inside. Or it could be the couple who's in the great house and the great life and the great friends and lots of stuff. And they go places, but they haven't had a meaningful conversation with each other in months. See, most of us, I know I do, have at least one area where there's some idleness. So what do we do? Good question. What do we do? I got some weeds in my vineyard. Very interesting because the scriptures point us to one of the smallest But wisest members of God's creation. Here's what the proverb writer says: Go to the ant, you slugger. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. I love the Bible for this reason. The writer of the proverb says, "You want to get wise? Go to ant school." Enroll in the ant academy. The ant, more than any human being alive, knows about diligence. And there's two things that an ant will teach you automatically. Number one, the ant does not require any external motivation. No commander, no overseer, no ruler. The ant knows that if you're waiting around for someone else to get your life into shape, Your boss, your spouse, your parent, your pastor, your life group leader, your friend, you're in serious trouble. Ants understand it and they get to the vineyard. Proverbs says that yes, you need other people's counsel. Yes, you need other people's help in life. Yes, you don't need to go through life alone. But it also says that usually it will come down to that individual. Over the long haul, you will have to make a decision to put your shoulder to the wheel and be diligent about whatever God is leading you to do or say. So the ant says, I don't need anybody whipping me. I don't need anybody, you know, throwing quotes of the day at me. And the second thing is the ant understands the law of opportunity. The writer says, it's summer today, so I'm going to store up provisions because I know, listen... Winter is coming. Here's what we do: we say, "I wish it weren't summer." I'm so tired right now. It's so hot. I wish my kids weren't so young and so demanding. I mean, it'll be. I wish my kids weren't so old and disobedient. Listen, they're that age one time. Remember what I said: wherever you're at, that's your reality. If you're going to start, you just got to start today. You ever notice how, how fast time passes? This is amazing stuff. My wife and I have been watching this OJ thing, this show um, Tuesday night. Just can't get enough of it 20 years later. It's just kind of interesting to think 20 years, over 20 years have passed since OJ and running down the road in the Bronco. We got to thinking about all these things that had passed by so quickly. American Idol. Of listening to that stuff every single week growing up with our kids watching it since they were little babies I love this One of the, this past week I heard about a guy who's here at Oasis if I said his name everybody here would know him and he's traveling on business recently and he went to a restaurant for a dinner and the funny thing is is they offered him automatically the senior citizen discount and he's like five years younger than me he's like 47 years old it was beautiful. It was like my whole week was made by this story. <laughs> I sent him an email. I just rubbed it in. Yeah, I, I was reading about um, uh, ARP. You know the ARP magazine? Do you know they track down everybody in the U.S. before they're going to turn 50? And I mean everybody. Everybody gets an invitation to be a member of ARP. And the, editor of, the mag, uh, editor of art magazine was talking in another column... And he says, I don't even know how we do it, but we track everybody down. He says, and consistently we get the same response. People are surprised and mad. (laughs) Nobody says, oh, thank you for inviting me to be a part of ARP. I mean, it's not an exclusive club. You know what people say? Stupid ARP. It's not even a good name. name. I mean, think about it. A club. Sounds like you're belching. (laughs) ARP. It's a strange thing about us. We have this one life and it goes by so fast. And the proverb writer says, look at the ant. He understands he has one vineyard. And I know some of us don't want to look at it because we feel kind of ashamed or we feel kind of embarrassed. And that's not the point of today. Please don't. Please don't walk out of here feeling just all guilt ridden and you know preached at that's not what i'm saying today what i'm saying is the good news is is you don't have to overcome complacency on your own for some of us it's too much but it's not too much for god one of the strangest things about complacency is it has such power on the one hand and yet on the other hand it is so so weak I have found that if you will trust God and take one step of faith, just one, you'll be amazed at God and what He can help you do. He can send into your spirit this sense that your vineyard isn't nearly as overwhelming as you thought it was. The weeds aren't near as deep and the soil can be tilled and the vineyard of your life can really thrive again. As we close now, I just want to mention... Some areas, and I'd like you just kind of tick them off in your brain or write them down, whatever you want to do. I'd like you to get honest for just a moment. We're going to run through these quickly. Areas that we know God is calling us to take action. The first area is relationships, it could mean a marriage, a kids, your friends, dating, whatever. The Bible says the greatest legacy you will ever leave is the legacy of love but here's what happens as we go through life we just kind of bruise and we kind of bump up against each other a little hurt here a little distress there a little resentment here a little unforgiveness there and you know you know you're supposed to take action you're supposed to resolve this kind of stuff the truth is most of us give up too easy on relationships so here's the deal maybe God is saying to you you need to take the first step towards someone where there is distance, where there is a little bruising. Here's what i found. i found that not all the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time, the other person, when you take that first step, they will respond by saying, you know what? I want to try to," And then you're on your way. Second area, work. Well, this is a tough one. Are you really doing your absolute best at work? Let's be truthful. If you've been in the same job for any length of time, it's easy to develop some bad habits. You learn how to get along with doing the minimum. You learn the shortcuts at the work. You engage in a little destructive chatter. You undermine the boss. You sow a little dissension. You learn how to self-promote yourself. But the Bible says if you're a diligent worker, a good worker, you're going to be rewarded so what about work how about finances we just talked about financial peace earlier it's a huge pocket of complacency it doesn't matter if you have a little bit of money or you have a lot of money so let me ask you is it time to be prudent is it time to be diligent is it time to cut up a few cards or get rid of a few few toys is it time to seek the guidance and friendship of a budget remember the ant friends he understood that what he did today paid huge dividends down the road. The fourth area, I love this area hidden dreams and ambitions. Things that are tucked away deep in your heart, maybe that you haven't talked about with very few people. A lot of you have put them on hold, set them aside. Most of the reason is fear. You're focused way more on not failing than actually succeeding. I'm not recommending that you go call your boss and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to join the circus tomorrow. What I am saying is that you need to sit down and honestly evaluate if this secret dream, this hidden ambition, not, not something twisted and out there, but just something that's, that's good and pure. You need to wipe the dust off of that. Last one. And I'll just call this one your soul. Jesus said, what would it profit a man, a human being, if they gained the whole world but lost their soul? He says, in other words, what if you had the right career vineyard, the right finance vineyard, the right relational vineyard, but your soul vineyard was totally ignored? And maybe God is speaking to you about that right now in this area of your life. And you're saying a week from Thursday. I want to say, friends, if there's one area, if there's one vineyard that you can't ignore, it's your soul. Maybe it's time to trust God for that. Maybe it's time to trust Him as the leader of your life, the forgiver of your soul. No matter which areas you have or areas that we haven't even talked about, no matter what area God is calling you to take initiative this morning, it starts, listen, with a single step. Okay, now I ask you to stand with me. If you'd like a reminder, something to kind of help you along here, we've actually come up with a Facebook and Twitter opportunity for you to download a screensaver background for your phone that says take a leap, okay? If you'll go to the Facebook or Twitter location for Oasis, at Oasis Community, you can download that to your phone and start using that just to remind you to take that next step, Okay. Let's pray. Father, my prayer as we leave these uh, doors today, is that we would not be overwhelmed by the size of our vineyard or the shape of our vineyard, but we'd be overwhelmed at the potential of our vineyard, that we would see that we must live in reality, we must not live in fantasy world, and we must start where we are, and a single step in the right direction can be a powerful, powerful step to a new world, a new vineyard, a new way of life. So I pray today for strength and wisdom and courage. I pray that you'd instill through the Holy Spirit a sense of purpose and a sense of accomplishment as each person here takes a step in the right direction. Help us, Father, be adventurous and brave and creative as you lead us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.